The call to ministry is a call to prepare. The problem is that the options for theological training have often been inaccessible, overly expensive, or done in isolation. We believe we have an answer. Ohio Theological Institute exists to transform Northeast Ohio theological training for ministers and church leaders. OTI's unique programs are designed to equip you for your lay or vocational ministry. At OTI, you can pursue a certificate, undergraduate, or accredited master's degree without sacrificing your local ministry. With courses from hermeneutics to biblical languages, OTI can give you the tools you need to grow in your knowledge of God and His Word, as well as the practical skills to help you serve the local church as well. If you are serving in ministry in Northeast Ohio, OTI is here to serve you. You can apply today at ohiotheological.org or email us at info at ohiotheological.org. Full and partial scholarships are available. Ohio Theological Institute for Christ, His Church, and His Mission. What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for everyday life. I'm Toshiba Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross. What is discipleship? Have you ever wondered how to do holistic discipleship? Why does discipleship matter in our culture? In this series, Discipleship You 101, we will hear from urban women Bible teachers doing real life discipleship in the urban context and are ready to bring us on in with truth and practical knowledge. Grab your tea, your coffee, and some paper because this series is going to bless your whole life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Urban Christian Christian Woman. Welcome back, ladies, to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast. Yeah. We are so excited to be keeping going in this series, mm-hmm. Discipleship You, Discipleship 101. And today we have an incredible guest. We have Elizabeth we Woodson know, right? with us here. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hey, y'all. We're so glad to have you. Y'all, if you don't know about Elizabeth, mm-hmm. then I commend you. First of all, get yes. on board. First of all, get on board. Okay, because she will bless your whole life. On multiple yes, levels. she has an incredible ministry. Elizabeth, I'm just going to tell the listeners a little bit about you, but feel free to add what you what you may, what mm-hmm. you would like as well. But um, y'all, Elizabeth is a Bible teacher. She's a writer, speaker, who is passionate about communicating the rich theological mm-hmm. truths of scripture. Mm-hmm. She loves helping people internalize their faith and connect it practically to everyday life. Come I'm on. so here for it. I know. She works as an institutional minister at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, where she teaches classes on the Bible, theology, and spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. She formerly worked as a single life coordinator at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship mm-hmm. under the senior leadership of senior pastor, Dr. Tony Evans. Mm-hmm. Y'all know we love some Dr. Tony okay, Evans on this on. year podcast. Come on now, honey. <laughs> she also graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary with a master's in Christian education mm. and is co-host on the podcast, Culture Matters, which is another good one. I know. Let's give it up for Elizabeth Wilson. I know. <laughs> We're so glad you're with us. Yes, yes, yes. Y'all, today we are talking about, mm-hmm. man, racial justice and discipleship. Discipleship mm-hmm. and racial justice. How do those things yes. fit together? And Elizabeth is going to just help us walk it through. Yeah, she's going to help us walk it all the way through. And the reason why, one of the main reasons why we invited Elizabeth to come on is not just because of her love and depth and understanding of uh, biblical theology, but in particular, 
particular, the way in which she can communicate and help people understand it and internalize it yeah. um, in their everyday lives. So we saw this post about, I think about a year ago and yeah. um, Elizabeth, and I'm just going to read it straight, straight from IG, but it says, for the past few days, I have been thinking about how the evangelical church as a whole has been scrambling to actualize our theology of justice. Mm-hmm. Every Sunday we hear about the gospel, but in the past few weeks slash months have struggled to know how to live in light of its truth. Mm -hmm. We are trying to get up to speed about racism and injustice, figuring out what it actually is and how to fight against it. But the world is far ahead of us. Having a graduate level conversation about it while we are still trying to learn our ABCs. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that is a generalization because there are numerous Christians and Christian organizations that are pursuing justice, but why aren't all of us equipped to do that work or at least knowledgeable about it and connected to someone who is able to help us pursue it? If the love of, if the church is where we learn how to follow Jesus and love his people, what haven't we been learning? Mm -hmm. What are our discipleship programs missing? How have we sanitized or ignored what Jesus meant? When he said, love your neighbor as yourself. As I answer these questions for myself, I've come to believe that we need to reimagine discipleship. Mm -hmm. The future is going to require all of us to think deeply about biblical truth and like Paul in Acts 17, know how to apply it to culture. Jesus's incarnational ministry modeled for us a biblical literature biblical literacy, I apologize, that informed his cultural engagement. Christians need to be equipped substantively, courageously, and graciously Mm -hmm. engage the issues of our day, making a real and lasting impact on the world for the kingdom of God. Y'all, this is going to be a good conversation, honey. We are, wait, okay, just just kicking off right there. Tell us a little bit about like, do you remember just that post formulating in your mind? Do you remember what sparked it and what, just talk us through like what you were processing and what sort of produced that? Yeah, you know, I think it was either around the time of George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really what I saw happening in the greater culture, a lot of organizations that are led by non-believers and just feel like non-believers are doing a lot of good work um, to help uplift the people, humanity. Um, Mm -hmm. And so- I, seeing all this and seeing I have spent my entire life in the 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 waters of evangelicalism mm-hmm. um, and for better or for worse. And so I have a love for my faith tradition, but also can see the blind spots that exist in that space. And so I see my community struggling to define racism, like mm-hmm. to, to talk about basic conversations. Mm-hmm. And you see like um, significant things happening in culture and the people who are pushing the dial forward are not Christians. Mm-hmm. Like, we're over here trying to figure out, okay, mm-hmm. how did this, what, what was happening? And people are like, we know, right. we've been fighting, we've been organizing, mm-hmm. we've been writing, we've been reading, like mm-hmm. we are educated and we're mm-hmm. ready to go to do real things. Mm-hmm. And so you see when culture shifts for the benefit of humanity mm-hmm. and the Lord uses people who don't call him God mm-hmm. to do that. Come on. And it's just like, we we say we have the answers and we can't, we're not, people aren't, I think that's what I was telling my friends. People aren't saying to themselves, let's go find the Christians to mm-hmm. figure out what's happening. Mostly they're like, let's stay away from the Christians because we feel like mm-hmm. in particular, evangelicals are causing the issues that we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. And it's just, 
if we say we follow Jesus, this mm-hmm. should not be a problem for us. Right. And if it is, we have to talk about why it is and really confront some of the ugly histories of our faith tradition that we don't want to. Mm-hmm. This is We should be a little bit, maybe ashamed is a strong word, but change is happening and it's not coming from us. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And we say we're here to be the light of the world. Right. Um, and so that, yeah, we got to get it together. And not only that, do we say, like, it's our call, right? Like, yeah. it, it, is a, it is a call that came to us. So it came yeah. from outside of us. And the question is whether we're walking in that or mm-hmm. not. Um, so when you're asking, like, the why, like, why, why, why are we lagging in this? What are some of the things that are coming out of that? For mm-hmm. you? you know, I think evangelicalism is a interesting tradition. I think the historical Black church, I would say, does not struggle in this area. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about kind of the the theological roots of where you show up on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And so with evangelicalism, you have this really big push to just share the gospel. It's this idea that if everybody gets saved, then all Mm -hmm. the bad stuff will go away. Mm -hmm. Evangelicalism is a faith tradition that's been around probably for the last 100, 150 years. A lot of people have heard about Jesus and the bad stuff's still here. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it really pushes to how we view our responsibility Mm -hmm. in caring for the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. Anthony Bradley wrote this really great article Mm -hmm. for Fathom Magazine, Mm -hmm. and he talked about great commission Christianity versus cosmic redemption Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that we feel we have the responsibility to just get people saved, full stop. And that we have forgotten that we are responsible to be a part of the redemptive work that God is doing in the world. So we're responsible for the world we live in Mm -hmm. and helping push forward what I believe the biblical narrative would point us to this idea of shalom and wholeness. And again, I would point towards the the historical Black church being in this mindset Mm -hmm. um, of... I'm con- I should be concerned about my community, mm-hmm. what's happening in my neighborhood. You know, when my folks ain't got food, they don't have ability to find jobs. They are experiencing discrimination and police brutality. I step in to deal with those things yeah. because they are supposed to thrive. Like that's mm-hmm. part of our goal and mission here on earth, um, this idea of the cultural mandate. And so in this article, he just talks about this difference of view of goal, mm-hmm. um, of people view their faith as a fire insurance and then I'm just sitting and waiting mm. to escape to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so there's no responsibility for what happens here on earth. And just mm-hmm. Sunday after Sunday, it's about me and individualism and not this corporate mm-hmm. uh, view of how we're supposed to live out our faith as Christians. And mm-hmm. so that was really helpful for me, um, that article. But it really, to me, is we don't view our salvation as corporate. We view it as individual. And so I'm responsible for me and my stuff. And I'm just waiting until Jesus come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Wow. Okay. So can you give us some of the biblical framework in scripture for where, you know, I'm sure, listen, sometimes we just, it's one-on-one. So we got to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to help each yeah, other out. Right. Give us, give us the biblical framework for this. If you were to walk or uh, meet with a sister or somebody in your local church to help them understand this narrative of yeah. um, justice in in the spirit in the area of uh, race. So, talk, walk us through that. And I wouldn't even say race, ethnos, however you want to. Yeah. yeah. You know, for me, it starts at the beginning, uh, and so you have Genesis one, and really, what you have are two major pieces of beliefs that we have as Christians, mm-hmm. and that is that God formed us in His image, and He gave us work to do, which 
scholars would call the cultural mandate, right? Mm-hmm. He, it's Genesis 1, 26 through 28, uh, let us make them in our image. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this idea of subdu- subduing the earth and multiplication. And so what I tell my students is that one, to be an image bearer means that you are God's representative. So mm-hmm. that in scripture is written in ancient Near Eastern culture and kings in that period of time would leave an image of themselves, like this whole big statue to remind people of their majesty and glory. And so we're here to remind people of who God is. People should see his justice, his mercy, his grace, his kindness, Mm -hmm. his love by interacting with us. They Mm -hmm. should know more about God by interacting with his representative. Mm -hmm. And then you have this idea of the work that he gave us to do. And really it is to create a world where everybody thrives. Like Mm -hmm. the Bible begins in a garden and it ends in a city. All this innovation, all this creativity that God intended to happen because he wanted us to cultivate the earth with with all its beauty and glory that Mm -hmm. points back to the creator. So we have work to do to care for the earth and care for its inhabitants. Mm -hmm. And you see this with Jesus and you see this with um, the great commandment. Like what are the two greatest commandments? To love God and to love my neighbor as myself, right? Mm -hmm. I should be concerned about the people around me and that they flourish and thrive. So from the very beginning, we see God establish his kingdom, establish Mm -hmm. his world within that framework. We all Mm -hmm. know what happens in Genesis 3. Stuff gets messed up. Adam and Eve doing a fool. And so Mm -hmm. all of that breaks down. Immediately, like Adam and Eve go at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. Like, nah, she did it. He did it. All this stuff happens. Um, And so God promises to fix it. And what I I tell my folks is that you see God's faithfulness and his love for humanity. I just put that in. If you feel like God doesn't love you, that he established uh, a plan of salvation for you long before you were born. Mm -hmm. And what we see is God work through uh, the nation of Israel. So he zoom, we see scripture zoom in on this one community and he continually tells them how to interact with him and how to interact with other people. So the 10 commandments are there to tell them what's best for the people in their community and what's best for their relationship Mm. with God. But if you read Israel, they're out there doing a full too. Come on now. So we ain't in Come on now. Come on now. (laughs) And what the prophets in particular, right? You get to Mm -hmm. the kings, first and second Mm -hmm. chronicles, first and second Samuel, um, first and second Kings, tell Mm -hmm. the story of Israel trying to work out their relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And what God continually calls them to the mat for are sins of injustice, idolatry, Mm -hmm. and greed. Yep. Mm -hmm. They are mistreating the people around them. Mm -hmm. They are called to treat foreigners and strangers and widows and orphans. Um, with with grace and kindness and to look out for them. And they continually are not doing that. Mm-hmm. And they do it in some pretty messed up ways because they're hanging out with the folks around them, which right. are people who worship idols and do really interesting things yeah. in yeah. their idolatry worship. Mm-hmm. But all of that sends Israel into exile. Like mm-hmm. God allows Israel to be attacked by foreign nations. And so what you see um, I could go on this forever. But what you see is that it's God... Well, it's all... I, we need <laughs> it's to. Necessary. It's so necessary. We go ahead. about biblical literacy, like... Yeah. Yes. So necessary. So necessary. Yeah, you see this thread mm-hmm. of how you serve me, how you love God is connected to how you show up in the world. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's Amos or Micah, mm-hmm. um, what God says is like, yo, you bring your sacrifices to the temple, but you live in like trash in the world. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Your sacrifices don't mean anything to me. Mm-hmm. Like you can show up on Sunday and sing your songs and, and give your tithes, but you have people that are suffering around you and you turn a blind eye to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see this, this, 
theme of justice woven throughout scripture because God continues to hold his people accountable to the very thing he gave them in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get to the New Testament. And so Jews, uh, race or or problems of ethnicity are a huge part of the New Testament because the Jews were God's chosen people. And they're like, hey, it's Mm -hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And only us. And so the we Jews it. and the Gentiles, we mm-hmm. it. Like, we it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the Jews and the Gentiles didn't get along. Like, they would call the Samaritans dogs. Like, yeah. it was just like, Paul, one, Paul experiences a lot of physical violence mm-hmm. as he's sharing the gospel. Like, there's a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would be talking to the Jews about the gospel and sharing. They'd be with him. They'd be rocking. Right. And mm-hmm. Paul mentions gen- the word Gentile. They're like, nah, we're going right. to beat this dude down, kick him <laughs> yeah. out of town. Like, we don't want to move to Absolutely. Because for them, they didn't, they didn't want to have community with the Gentiles. And yeah. so you see Paul, um, he even calls out Peter uh, for... for uh, being kind of shady in his behavior. Yeah. He's eating with the Gentiles and some yep. Jewish leaders mm-hmm. come to town. Mm-hmm. And so he goes and hangs out with his Jewish homies and Paul's like, that's not what we do. Yeah. Like there is no separation underneath the banner of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so even in that narrative in the New Testament between Jew and Gentile, you see significant difficulty mm-hmm. in ethnic relations and you mm-hmm. see the apostles pull people to being inclusive and mm-hmm. being oneness and unity, mm-hmm. all the yeah. stuff we see in Paul's letters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really points back to who we're called to be as God's people. Yes. So it's, if you know the story of the Bible, racial justice fits into the narrative pretty clearly because we should be people who stand against anybody being mistreated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's yeah. no question. Yeah. Yeah, what are the what do you think are the implications of us missing these moments in scripture? You know, like as you were saying in evangelical spaces, you know, it has been like, you know, a a, a get out of hell like fire insurance and in the black church it's been a huge part of the narrative. But what happens when we don't engage the story of the Bible in these ways in, in regards to discipleship, in regards to uh, we have women who have gifts of public teaching and things like that. What are the implications when these things are right there in text and we do not address them? I think the biggest one for me is we lose our testimony. Mm-hmm. And so non-believers look at us and say, I know this is right. Yeah. And I don't believe in your God. How come you don't believe in this being right? Mm -hmm. Or how come you're struggling? Or why are you always divided? Uh, Scripture talks about oneness being one of the main identifiers that the gospel itself Mm -hmm. is true. That people Mm -hmm. who shouldn't come together do come together in community. Mm -hmm. And so we lose our witness to the world. And I think we're in that place specifically of non-believers looking at Christianity and saying, kind of what's going on with y'all yeah. because you're not living up to who you say you should be. Come on. Um, and then you have this idea of you just, you miss opportunity. You quench um, opportunities for the people of God to step into the work that God has us to do. Mm. So we just are in these isolated communities allowing suffering to happen. And we're unconcerned about that. Um, mm. And so I think we're unconcerned about helping raise up people in their giftings, right? You talked about women in public teaching, and there's a lot of theological conversations around that. Mm-hmm. But how are we showing up in the church in such a way that everybody thrives? Again, mm-hmm. it's like male, female, yeah. uh, different races, ethnicities, ages, life stages, you know, yes. single, married, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you just miss opportunities for people 
to live out what God has given them, especially when you're responsible for helping people step into those areas. And then the darkness just spreads, right? Yeah. And we just sit around and we're supposed to be salt and light. And the mm-hmm. salt has lost its saltiness and the light mm-hmm. is hidden underneath um, a, a barrel and we're not doing the work we're supposed to be doing. And yeah. so, mm-hmm. yeah, those and are the it, quick things. Yeah, yeah. And I think even what you're saying is so on point because I think as it continues to go, well, then the narrative then be it becomes we're infighting and we're trying to convince the people who are sitting in our pew and in our folding chair or whatever it is, you know, that this actually matters, Mm -hmm. that the story of the Bible matters. So yeah, you're right on point with that. Yeah. And I think even just the nature of our audience being women of color and women in the city, like there is right this dissonance too. Like, especially if you find yourself in a evangelical space like you're yes. saying it's like you're you're swimming in the water with a bunch of fish they don't know they wet you know like right. struggling with right. the things mm. and there's a dissonance there because as a person of color right you're always aware of and even the legacy that we that we come from in the black church like you're aware yep. of that engagement mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that that thriving that you're talking about is actually part and parcel of the responsibility of the church and so I don't know speak to like what has that dissonance been like for you and your story yeah and then what encouragement can you have for the women that are listening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is hard to be a uh, woman of color and to be in an evangelical space, mm-hmm. um, and particularly to be in a white evangelical space. And mm-hmm. so the Lord has been really gracious to give me um, community outside of the community I serve in that helps supplement the things that are lacking and missing. But I know women who have been in predominantly evangelical churches who are trying to figure out who, like, you're trying to figure out their faith. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about the cause and you were talking about, Leo, kind of what happens, this this disillusionment with the faith, it's like, I don't know what Jesus is talking about. Mm Because the people who were telling me about Jesus don't care about these things. And I don't know how to put the pieces together. Mm -hmm. Where do I go to church? What is this whole thing about God? Like Mm -hmm. we have really lost their way um, because you don't feel at home anywhere. And Mm -hmm. so that's just been really hard for me to see and really sad. um, The wounding and the, the trying to put the pieces back together and feeling like there is no place for them to rest their head as a black woman Mm -hmm. um, within the faith. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what has been encouraging one has been remaining connected to the historically black church. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we can have we leave that place because we don't like the tradition or we want um, sometimes we we love the flashiness of the bigger churches. Mm-hmm. And so we forget the value and significance the value. of the yeah. historical black yeah. church. Right. And yes, it's got the red maroon carpet and the A and B selection, <laughs> you know, and you got to wear stockings when you walk in the house. Like, uh. <laughs> but it is a place of community. Yes. Significance and identity mm-hmm. and has such a rich history, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are tapping back into and realizing, mm-hmm. oh, I missed out on something there Mm -hmm. right so staying connected to that place staying connected to the a lot of times people can can feel as oh I have a white faith Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we'll talk about the old white guys and not talk about Mm -hmm. the rich African Mm -hmm. um, the roots of people of African descent and how they've contributed to our faith Mm -hmm. and so I try to soak up all those things to remind myself and to have a clear vision Mm -hmm. of what it means for me to be an African-American woman Mm -hmm. who holds to the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so, yeah, it's, 
it's hard out here in these streets. And so I always tell women. (laughs) (laughs) Keep it a hundred here on this podcast. It's It's all right. That you need to recognize what Mm -hmm. your community is able to give you Mm -hmm. and what it isn't. And that Mm -hmm. you are walking with people who are learning. And so you can't expect that community to fill you up in this area Mm -hmm. if they're just trying to learn. Mm -hmm. You have to look for other ways to be encouraged, to be supported, to be in community mm-hmm. with women of color, whether it is over a podcast, website, Zoom yes. has created a lot of opportunities for that mm-hmm. um, digitally, but it's you have to be able to supplement it or you will, in lack of a better word, shrivel up. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Can you also speak to how do you, as a woman of color, um, what I what I term like be patiently impatient or like push in a little bit more in evangelical spaces to um, invite our white brothers and sisters or even other ethnicities to mm-hmm. be, to reclaim um, yeah. their um, identities for the beauty and the glory of God um, through the local church. How do you sort of engage in that, and how do you invite people into that space? Yeah, I think um, for me, it's I've, I've learned the need to tell the truth and like just to tell the truth. I think sometimes you can feel like you need to water it down mm-hmm. because you have to incrementally help people come along. Mm-hmm. Um, and my journey has, I've grown in this area the length of time I've been a part of the conversation mm-hmm. in majority white spaces and seeing the different um, approaches to racial reconciliation And so, you know, I'm a person full of love and a person full of a lot of grace. You know, Mm -hmm. that change happens over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. When I see people who are willing to engage with me in a conversation who are not, um, I don't like to, I don't convince people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you need convincing, that's a different conversation. There's a Mm -hmm. different set of people that God can use to bless your Mm -hmm. life with that. Come on. But for me, it is let's engage in truth and walk forward. Mm -hmm. And when you, to me, when I see people taking steps forward, no matter how small, that's encouraging. And I try to uh, allow my spirit to be emboldened by that in a good mm-hmm. way, right? Like, okay, the Lord is working and he's moving. Mm-hmm. But as a as a woman of color, I encourage women to just speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the reality that we live in. This is the history of our country. Mm-hmm. It's a history of our faith. We're not going to get anywhere if we just can't tell the truth. Yeah. Telling the truth will not always go well for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that matches of having expectations. And there's a reason why this conversation is a stalemate in mm-hmm. Christianity. We can talk about complex things like Trinitarianism, mm-hmm. but we can't get race right. Mm-hmm. There's reasons for that. Mm-hmm. And so as you speak truth in grace and love, expect your truth not always to be accepted mm-hmm. um, and to be okay with that because it's the Lord who carries. You're not, re- we're not responsible for changing people. Mm-hmm. And I think you can feel a responsibility. If I don't say it or I don't do it, they won't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no. They will know the same way they know how to do Whole30 and the same way they know how to do like all this other crazy stuff. They Come on. Kombucha and doing stuff. They'll yeah. figure Come it out, on. right? Come on now. Yeah. So yeah. we're yeah. not saviors. In the same way, yeah. they're not saviors of us. We're not saviors of them. But mm-hmm. it's what it means for us to live in community is when I see my brother or sister walking in a way that is not becoming of the Lord, I speak truth. Yeah. And I encourage them to come back to a pathway mm-hmm. of holiness and love for God's people. Mm-hmm. And it's this continual, um, it's the Holy Spirit, you're pressing in, you're speaking truth, seeing how people respond to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are strengthened 
by the Lord. Sometimes it's, it is the Holy Spirit that strengthens you to do his work. Mm-hmm. And to be a woman who is, as long as I've got King Jesus, come on, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. In some seasons, that's just what it is. That's just what um, it is. But then you have your friends and you have the external community. Yeah. But I, mm-hmm. my biggest thing is do not feel responsible for people's transformation because it's a heart change. Come but on. Be a woman who speaks truth. Mm-hmm. Embrace and love. Continue to speak truth and continue to believe that God can change people mm-hmm. because he is and he does. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. good. Mm. That that's is so good. good. That is so good. Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of The Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one-sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now. And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. I feel like we've spoken really deeply to the hearts of our sisters of color, which yeah. uh, is so necessary because some are still navigating those spaces mm-hmm. of like, okay, I mean, am I going to say something or am I not? Mm-hmm. Like, and particularly when you address like, maybe you could speak to this as well, just like the power element there when you're in a space as a minority, yeah. as a person of color, and you're like, I really want to speak truth, but you know what, honestly, like it's stacked up against me. And right, like we need the courage in those spaces. We need the conviction and almost like what I feel you saying is just a sense of identity mm-hmm. of rooted. I'm rooted in the Lord. I'm rooted mm-hmm. in truth. Mm-hmm. And then really, really being able to discern how far to go and and mm-hmm. just to take it gradually as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we got, like I said, like I said, we have an audience that is mostly women of color and also women of the city. So we got white sisters as well mm-hmm. who are committed to living in the city, committed to having these conversations, mm-hmm. are individuals, like you said, who are like, okay, I get this. This is important. Mm-hmm. We're going to be learners and take those steps forward. And so how would you speak to our white sisters in in continuing to be equipped mm-hmm. to have those conversations with themselves and for themselves? And how would you encourage them to approach and interact with their own discipleship in the areas of racial justice? I would encourage them to educate themselves. Uh, there is no better advocate for helping white people not be racist than white people. And so it just, like, it just, there's a whole lot there. But, there's a whole um, lot there, girl. <laughs> but that they would educate themselves. Yeah. and they Because a lot of times a white woman or man can speak the same thing I'm saying and it mm-hmm. goes differently. Mm-hmm. So that they would recognize this is an opportunity for me to step in and to be an edifying agent in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So they see a responsibility and they take it and they go. Mm-hmm. Um, the first step is always education to be in a space of learning and receiving before conversations start because there's a lot to um, to break down and build back up. Mm-hmm. To some, for some people, there's a like, oh, I didn't know that this was out here. There's a whole nother world. Um, but it's to really educate yourself and to get in a fight mm-hmm. and to really love our brothers and sisters of color enough to be advocates for them in all the best ways. So the mm-hmm. education helps you learn the harmful ways in which that can happen and to stay away from those areas, mm-hmm. but to speak up and to press into leadership and, and to, to help the discipleship 
dynamics move forward as they are learning and growing. Mm-hmm. To me, that advocate seen, advocacy is a great space. Have you seen mm-hmm. the, the difference between even like education and proximity? So we just finished a, a podcast series through the book of Luke, where like the mm-hmm. proximity of Jesus to the Ooh. marginalized, to those who are struggling, mm-hmm. to the uh, ethnic other, if you will, like was so crucial to the forming of the ways of the kingdom and the forming of his ministry. So can you speak to that as far as your experience of the difference between education and proximity when we're talking about discipleship around racial justice? Yeah, you, it's easy to not care about people or feel responsible about people you don't see or don't know. Mm -hmm. Like things change when I live in community with you When I live, things are different you know, even in some of the ministry you were talking about, you do, Leah, it's different when you serve people who live next door to you mm-hmm. versus when you serve people you get in your car and have to commute 40 minutes to go see. Mm-hmm. Like it just changes the game. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you are in community, when you are building relationships and friendship with just with people, not based upon race and ethnicity, but that you're just another sister in the Lord mm-hmm. and you form this bond and relationship that helps proximity yeah. to me breaks down some of the stereotypes Mm-hmm. Um, it, it cultivates this heart that wants to push through the yep. hard points um, mm-hmm. because there's a name and a face right. that I am. Right. It's rooted in uh, a relationship, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it is super, super helpful. Um, yeah, to me, proximity, it's hard. I have found it's hard for my evangelical brothers and sisters who live in homogeneous community to get in the game the same way mm. as when people actually live with people who are different than them. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're reminded on a daily basis of mm-hmm. the things that you're trying to fight for. So then what do you commend to those folks? Yeah. Like, what is the, so, so you've got Ooh, somebody who, dropping like just, I know, Ooh, so I'm like, right we gotta now. dig in, we gotta dig in a little deeper here, right <laughs> here, right here, right where we're at. <laughs> so you've got, right, you've got, because we're not, we're not talking outside of the context of history, right? right. We know mm-hmm. how things like redlining have shaped Come I was thinking about gentrification. Come on. Right. We we know how literally the path of history has shaped communities where it's hard to get in proximity with folks that are not like you because Mm -hmm. literally that was the point to not be in proximity with folks like you. So then you've got somebody who is beginning to be aware of the call to racial justice in the gospel to engage with that, to be discipled around it. And then they look up and they're like, well, how do I practice this? What do I do? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Doing their best to find spaces and places to be around people that are different than them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whether that is organizations, whether that's a different church, you know, mm-hmm. there is nothing in the same way that we as black people will go to a church that's predominantly white. It's not wrong with, mm-hmm. ah, there's plenty of white folks at Oak Cliff. Come on um, now. You know, and so you, you are choosing, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Change requires conscious decisions to make ourselves uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So as long as we continue to that stay in the right same there. place, and to do things that are easy to us, to do things that are convenient. Mm. And that's part of the reason that we haven't seen the change to begin with is because racial justice is an inconvenient, uncomfortable reality. Mm-hmm. that's going to be painful for a long time before it gets better mm-hmm. because we're pulling up all these roots. And so how does that, the person making as best as they can, because everybody lives in a different kind of community in mm-hmm. a different you know, city and, or, or rural or suburban area or whatever, but that how can you get around people who are different than you? Mm-hmm. There's got to be some place that you can show up or just shop differently. Mm-hmm. Right? Like get in your car and I'm going to drive 30 minutes to the next city to do my shopping, to just be in a Target with people who are different. Now, that is mm-hmm. not going to be, you know, 
shopping in a Target with black and brown people is not going mm-hmm. to wreck all the changes you're hoping <laughs> right, to see. Right. But it just gets you in proximity and mm-hmm. helps you think about different things. Mm-hmm. To me, learning how can you engage in someone's story and build community. But to me, it's there are organizations, there are churches, there are communities in which you can, the normal things you do, do it there. Mm-hmm. And if it's like, well, it's inconvenient, then you're not really interested mm-hmm. in yeah. doing the work. Yeah, and that's a that's a that's a commendable word right there and a convicting word for um I think some of our sisters because it is that space of like are you choosing to be intentional with what you are what you are doing and I think that that's one of the 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 most difficult things that I've found in um sisters from majority culture is that it can be very challenging when they get uncomfortable, but that is the whole idea of privilege. You you know what I'm saying? It embraces that idea of comfort. And so, and the gospel is not one of comfort, you know? So um, that is, that's right on, that's right on point. That's right on point. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth, circling back to just the context of this series being on discipleship, Mm -hmm. right? Like what are some tools from scripture and then otherwise around discipleship in racial justice issues that you would commend to us? Um, and you know, mm-hmm. that we can really just like, whether you're a person of color, whether you're a, a white woman in the city that you would commend to us that we could use in this journey towards discipleship mm-hmm. on racial justice issues. And I think you, it's following as Christians, we are followers of the way of Jesus. And mm-hmm. so the best model for how we ought to interact and care for those who are in need in our community is Jesus. And I think particularly you see in Luke, Luke does a really great job of pointing out a lot of people groups that would have been um, controversial for Jesus to hang out with women. Luke talks a lot about that Mm -hmm. in his book, is that Jesus spent time with those who were poor and those who were marginalized, Mm -hmm. that he stood up and he advocated for people. And so that we should do the same thing too. Like he had eyes to see those and to step in and to change the situation. And he also had eyes to call people out because Jesus had different kinds of conversations with non-believers than he did with people who were religious leaders in the community. Mm -hmm. And he just had no problem. He'd be killing me all the time with what he was saying. I know. Like I said, we just came out of Luke and there were moments where we were like, whoa. Well, yeah, because because you're seeing his tone change with the Pharisees Mm -hmm. and the Sadducees. And then you see this gentleness and this Mm -hmm. love for people who have no idea of who he really is, Mm -hmm. right? And who are are on the margins and who are poor. And you're just like, Woo, like, you know, which it, it speaks to even what you are saying is many of us have a familiarity with the church, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. whether we have been in predominantly African-American churches, whether we've been in evangelical spaces, we have a familiarity. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we need to be conscientious of that and <laughs> and ask the Lord, search us, oh God, mm-hmm. and see, yeah. you know, um, for sure. And so, yeah, Luke, Jesus does a great job of his tone, what he articulates, and it just shifts so quickly. And you're like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What would um, what would you exhort us towards um, as we sort of close out? What would you exhort us towards as women in this pursuit of intentional um, uh, discipleship around justice? And mm-hmm. um, what encouragement would you give us? 
um, as we close up? Discipleship, uh, when we look at the model that we see in scripture, was both education and action. And so mm-hmm. that we would be, because a lot of times you'll have women of color who, man, I'm new to this conversation too, and I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so that we would be encouraged to educate ourselves. Because to me, everything hinges mm-hmm. in my responsibility to love God and to love his people. Mm-hmm. Like everything I do is in those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so what does it mean for me to fill in the blanks, to fill in the gaps that exist mm-hmm. in my faith, to mm-hmm. know my Bible, mm-hmm. know what it means to be a Christian according to the words of Jesus, and the words that the Holy Spirit has left for us. Um, and so there's this education piece, but there's also this action piece, mm-hmm. right? You got to get out and you have to actually do mm-hmm. the work in the community. We all have areas of influence that God has given to us and that we steward what we've been given mm-hmm. and we steward it faithfully and we steward it courageously. Yes. A lot of times I remember people have spoken up so that I could be where I'm at Come and on. I could walk in the ease I walk in. Come so on. Sometimes when I'm not speaking up or I'm not doing what I need to be doing, it's not because it's because of fear and selfishness. Mm. And the way of Jesus is a way that's uncomfortable for all of us mm-hmm. because we're pushing against the darkness and we're pushing against sin to bring light. Mm-hmm. And so so my encouragement would be educate yourself, get in the game. There's a ton of like Jamar Tisby just released a book, How to Fight Racism. Come on. Like, if you want mm-hmm. it any easier than that, right. he just released the book. There's a lot of really great resources and people you can listen to, which is a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's to be out there and to do the work, but to do the work knowing you never go alone. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit always shows up for mm-hmm. us, protects, provides, he guides, he gives us the words. And he's called us to be women who are change agents in the world. Mm-hmm. Like you have work to do and the world needs you to show up because mm-hmm. God has given us that task. So there's like this, man, you can do it, but you need to do it. There's like mm-hmm. these two sides of it for me. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of amazing things happen, even in this past year from people of color, specifically black women mm-hmm. um, who have stood up and have walked in their creativity, the fullness of their identity being unashamed about what it meant for them to not assimilate to white culture Mm -hmm. um, and to be truth that has rescued people out of places of darkness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Knowing Mm -hmm. that that is our job as Mm -hmm. believers, like you said, Leah, we're called Mm -hmm. to be the light of the world. Mm -hmm. So encouraged that we would be excited that we know we're empowered and we would just go. Right. Because there's we, we got work to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a whole exhortation mm-hmm. to women of color because I think too, like if you've been hurt in some of these spaces, if you've been hurt by the lack of racial justice mm-hmm. that is shown in the church, like there are times where sometimes you'll be tempted to just be like, forget it, right? Mm-hmm. Like forget it. And there has been, mm-hmm. I mean, there's the same, you know, Jamar Tisby's uh platform, The Witness, there's whole articles on there about people mm-hmm. being like, Listen, I just left the white evangelical church mm-hmm. and I ran home to the black church Yeah, and right there's, there's a place and space for those safe spaces, those mm-hmm. refuges, but there is also a call and a conviction to, to appropriately show up on the front lines and stay on the front lines and be engaged mm-hmm. just because you're a person of color, right? You're not exempt to be a part of engaging mm-hmm. the church in advancing racial justice mm-hmm. as discipleship issue as well. And so I think that's just a really wise exhortation. Thank you for that. And it's necessary. Mm-hmm. It's so necessary. Yeah. It's yeah. so necessary. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And so let's like dream together, right? If the church is seriously being discipling 
on racial justice today. Yes. So, and we, and we just like jump in a time machine, right? 10 years from now, what would you say is the fruit and the result of Come what on. we would see? Let's reimagine. Oh, right. Let's reimagine. Yeah. I think we, we see one, we see churches where their unity uh, is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we see places where we're not fighting we're not calling each other nasty names in 140 characters mm-hmm. um, and that we healthcare, education, um, economic disparities, the gap between the middle class um, mm-hmm. or the dis- disappearing middle class, um, the prison uh, incarceration system, mm-hmm. like all these issues of people in our country and world, we can get to work on. Mm-hmm. Um that we are able to bring the truth of the gospel to people who need to hear about a God mm-hmm. who has saved them, has a plan for them, and that there's a blessed life in him, that the things that they are running after are not, will not be fulfilling. But God mm-hmm. is like, they get to see the beauty of God. Yeah. And we get to do real work because we are marching together and we're not like in a church trying to beat each other over the head. Yeah. Over foolish stuff. Again, foolish. to me, I believe it's the work of the enemy because it's just not unclear in the biblical yeah. narrative. Mm-hmm. So that the that the enemy knows that we will be a powerful force, and mm-hmm. so he prevents us. He's trying to block that, yeah, by keeping us caught up in our foolishness. Yeah, but I think that we would see beautiful communities of worship mm-hmm. um, and praise to God, the gospel going out, and these major issues in our country. You say America mm-hmm. that we'd be working on. Because mm-hmm. we would have the time to do that because we would not be doing this other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that to me is the beauty. Of yeah. Mm-hmm. Real change could happen in a beautiful and, and transformative way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is the reimagining right there. Yeah, it is. That's the reimagining I'm showing up for. <laughs> so, so Elizabeth, we close out every uh, podcast with prayer. Can you cover this? <laughs> Very thing yes, Girl. yes, pray for all of us with with this very matter, and um, yeah, that we will be faithful towards it. Father, I thank you because you saved us. Mm. You thought much of us when we were in sin, and you sent your son to save us in grace and compassion. So, Lord, I pray that we will be a people of grace and compassion. I pray that we will be a people of truth, mm. pushing forward the vision of flourishing that you have for all of humanity in a world that sees and loves you. Um, I pray for the women that are listening to this podcast and that feel discouraged and downtrodden because they are just burdened by what they've done and what they've seen that has not worked. And I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would bring just grace and peace and love to them. That they will find places of refuge to be built up Mm -hmm. and to be supported. And then you would give them vision for how they're to return to the work. I pray for the woman who is new to the conversation of racial justice and doesn't know where to start. And that you would give her a starting place, but also courage to know that what seems really big that you have been working on for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so all you call us to do is to be faithful to our peace Mm -hmm. and that she would see that and that she would move forward. I pray for our sisters of majority culture, that they will be encouraged by this conversation, Mm -hmm. encouraged to step into the game, encouraged to step into uncomfortable areas because they would see the beauty of the vision Mm -hmm. uh, of a restored community, uh, as MLK would say, the beloved community, um, that you push push us towards mm-hmm. Lord, it is our gift and our joy to be able to serve you mm-hmm. uh, walking this road is not easy mm-hmm. but it is blessed and it is yes. the best life that we could ever have so keep yes. us encouraged yes. keep Lord. us uplifted keep us 
engaged. Yes, and Lord. And most of all, keep our eyes lifted to the one for whom we do this work for. Mm-hmm. And that is you. Mm-hmm. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Have a blessed week, ladies. Have a blessed week. Ladies, thanks so much for joining Elizabeth, Leah, and I in our conversation today. If you'd like to hear more from Elizabeth, you can find her on her handle, Miss Jazzy Liz on IG, or you can go directly to her website, elizabethwoodson.org. If you would like to join Elizabeth in the current teaching series she's doing as the lead teacher for Christian Story or a part of the Proverbs study, you can register for that and is available until March 31st at institute.thevillagechurch.net. Ladies, thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to you joining us in our next conversation in the Discipleship You series with Michelle Reyes, focusing on cross-cultural discipleship and discipling the vulnerable. Blessings.